But you, <coughs> but you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler of Israel, who comes forth is from old, of ancient days. Therefore he shall give up until the time where she who is in labour has given birth, and then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And then he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure for now. He shall be great to the ends of the earth. Thanks, Sean. You're going to be grateful when I stop asking you to do stuff, aren't you? I want to share with you one more story this morning. Hang on. I've got last week's message in front of me. Um, here's a photo. Two of those people you recognise. Chris and Rebecca at one of the English fun days. The third is a lady named Del. She might not look very Thai to you, and she's not. She's Filipino, actually. And the place that she most loves living isn't Thailand either. Uh, she served as a missionary in China for 10 years, felt God's call on her life as a young lady, and, uh, and really wanted to serve God, and felt that China was that right place. She loves Chinese people, she loves the Chinese language, um, but in China you can really only be there as a foreigner so long as your visa uh, is valid and hers was not renewed by the Chinese government and so after 10 years she had to leave the people that she loved and the country that she loved and the work that she loved. Uh, she shared with me a little of her story on one of the evenings that uh, as a as a team, we, we went and shared dinner together. She told me at that point where she was packing up all of her goods and uh, preparing to leave China, not knowing what was uh, ahead for her in the future, that she made one simple request to God. There was a mountain that she could see uh, from a certain spot uh, that she loved to, to look upon. And I said, well, it sounds a little bit like the buckets uh, in Gloucester. But I, I think it was a little bit more like the, the bigger mountains that you see in places like Nepal that are more significant and, and further off. Um, sometimes the, the weather would be such that you wouldn't be able to see that mountain. But when the weather cleared and you could see it, it was just a, a symbol of God's majesty and, and his glory. And so her request to God was, before I leave China, I want to see my mountain just one last time. And it got to the last day that she was there and the weather was such that her mountain could not be seen. And so she asked God, why? Why, in all the things that I'm going through right now, can you not grant this simple request? And God's reply to her was, it's not that I can't, I choose not to. Now you might think that's a difficult reply to hear from God and and she took it as well you know maybe the weather is bad because other people need the the rain on their crops and those sorts of things but 
It became significant for her as she reflected on that answer that she was not leaving China because God did not have the power to keep her there. She was leaving China because God chose not to intervene and change her circumstances. Just like on that day he chose not to intervene and clear up the weather in order that she might have that final gift. And so she was in Thailand wondering why she was where she was and what she would do now that she was where she was. But it wasn't long before she met in Thailand a student from China who had been part of the church for six months or so but had not given her life to Christ. And as she was able to talk to her after church in Chinese, in in this girl's heart language, it was at that moment that she felt that she could give her life to the Lord. And she's still wondering, you know, if if Thailand's going to be her place and so has been looking for somewhere to live and and those sorts of practical means uh, and began a conversation with one of the lecturers in Ma Falong University that you just saw on the screen recently. Um, she, this university lecturer found that she, she seemed to be a trustworthy person and so offered her a room in her house to live in. And it was only then that they, she discovered that, that she'd been living in China for 10 years, that she knew how to speak Chinese. It was only then uh, that Dell found out that this university lecturer was in fact herself Chinese. And so a new relationship has been able to be formed that Dell hopes will also lead to a conversion uh, to Christ and faith in his name. God doesn't always use people or circumstances in the way that we expect that he will. But God has a plan and a purpose to bring his name and his glory to the ends of the earth. And if I could, I would say, I've been serving together with a team from Australia with Grace Language School, but that gets too complicated for me. I just tried to tell you four things about myself. Who I am, where I come from, how long I've been here and why I am here doing the things that I'm doing. In Thailand, those things made sense because I was speaking in those languages, in that language. But sometimes when we meet people, we know what it is that we need to ask, but we just don't know how to ask. Or as we hear things that are very informative, we don't know quite how to listen to them. And the Word of God is a little bit like meeting a person. It's here to to give us opportunity to enter into a relationship with God but sadly sometimes when we open the word of God we don't know what questions to ask or we think that the question the answers that we're getting are in a foreign language and so we think maybe this is a foreign God who I cannot know so this morning I want us to ask the questions who where when and why to the word of God and the passage that has been read for us Because I think as we come to the Word of God and ask questions like, what does this tell me about God? It reveals to us the who of God's Word. What do I learn about the world? That tells us where we are. What what did it mean to the first listeners? Well, that puts the when into context. And what does this mean to us? 
Well, that brings us into the why. Sean's read for us Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 4. Let's ask those questions of it this morning. Firstly, what does this passage tell us about God? Micah describes the Lord as a God who has strength and majesty and greatness. What God is using his strength and greatness to accomplish is to, to call from a small and insignificant place and small and insignificant people the most significant ruler that the world will ever see. You might say what we learn about God is that he is a God who does big things with little things or loves to use the small to accomplish the things that are great. What does Micah tell us about this world in which God speaks to the small and brings greatness? He says that while God appears to work in the small and insignificant things, he's not a God who is doing small and insignificant things. The whole world is under the rule and authority of God. As he reveals his greatness, it will be revealed from one corner of the globe to the other. All of the world will submit to the rule of God. Whatever mankind might believe or practice, whether they acknowledge God or deny his existence, whether they be people who are strong or weak, big or small, intelligent or foolish, near or far, all will acknowledge God as Lord of all. To the ends of the earth, Micah describes. Why was he writing? Why was he speaking? What did this message bring to his first listeners? Well, Micah's first audience knew that that they knew the Lord, but that they were disobedient to him. He was calling them back and was, while declaring them to be a people unfaithful to God, declaring God to be someone who was faithful to them. He would still accomplish his purpose, still bring blessing to the people of the world, though he might do it in a way that they don't recognise or don't understand at least for a time. Is that the message that Micah speaks to us? What is the message that he wants us to hear? Well, we now get the opportunity to to read Micah with the benefit of of a bit of time taking place between then and now. Because Micah was speaking to a people of his time about things that were going to happen. But we read Micah now with the knowledge of things that have happened. What God was saying he was about to reveal to the world, we now believe he has done in the revelation of Christ his Son. We believe that because we have not only the Old Testament and the testimonies that pointed to Christ from a distance, but the New Testament and those who spoke of Christ in the present. So keep a finger in Micah chapter 5, but turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Micah was speaking of an insignificant town named Bethlehem. See if you hear of that town as Luke writes. I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 4 to 12. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, 
who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling, in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Again, a story of God doing something in Bethlehem that would bring glory to the ends of the earth. It was an unusual town in which a king might be born. Insignificant, really, among the, the tribes. Insignificant even to those who lived nearby. The newborn king was welcomed by some fairly ordinary witnesses. The shepherds were the working class. The sign given to the shepherds was equally peculiar. How would they know that they found the newborn king? He would be lying in an animal food trough. In fact, for this child to become king, it would be extremely unlikely to any who witnessed that birth that day. I highlight those things because it may be an encouragement to you this morning that God uses the unusual, the ordinary, the peculiar and the unlikely. Micah's description of the king was that of a shepherd, that he would use his strength to bring security to those who would trust in him. And Jesus later made clear exactly how he would do this. In John 10, 11, he describes himself as the good shepherd. Many watch over the sheep to care for them, but care more about their wages, really, than about the lives of their sheep. But Jesus, describing himself as the good shepherd, says he willingly puts his life on the line to save the life of just one of those sheep. This is exactly what Jesus went on to do. He gave his life for us, bringing those who put their trust in him peace with God, ultimate security in life. As Linnell revealed to us, the, the shepherd's crook and the, the jay of the candy canes at Christmas and spoke of the purity of Christ, there's also weaved around that candy cane a red stripe the means by which Jesus would shepherd his people. The sign that shows that he is the good shepherd, not just the hired servant. He would shed his blood for us. And he promises to continue to lead, to continue to protect, and to continue to provide for us as any good shepherd would. I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you most need from your shepherd? Some of you are in need of leading. You just don't know which way to go at this time. Maybe there's questions or confusions that are in your head. Jesus would say, follow me, I want to lead you. Maybe it's protection. Maybe there are fears in your life at the moment. 
fears that you have trouble expressing or, or even identifying directly, but you know that there are things holding you back. Jesus wants to walk with you, even through the valley of the shadow of death, that you would have no fear. What about provision? Some of you may be here this morning just not knowing where the security of this next week is going to come from. God wants you to trust in the shepherd who will lead you and guide you and provide for you every good gift that the Father has determined for you. You see, God is still in the business of making small things that are insignificant in the eyes of the world part of his plan to reach the ends of the earth with his glory and his majesty. This is what Jesus calls each of us to when he says, Follow me, you who might hear my voice. So I also want to ask you this morning, what is your name? What is your origin? What is your purpose? If you're to be known by God and to be used by him, you need to be aware of these things that, that God has placed within your identity. You may not consider your name very important or the place that you were born very significant. But you are a child of God called by his name, called to his purposes. You may not feel that you're quite old enough or that you're yet young enough. You may not feel that now is the time for your opportunity, but you have been crafted into an ancient and eternal plan. You are in God's timing and within his hand. You may not feel at this time useful to God, but just like that Sunday school song that, that maybe you sang in your childhood, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. God has placed his light within you and he wants you to be a light in the darkness. There may be people here this morning feeling insignificant, questioning the worth and the purpose of their lives. You can find people like that all around the world. People that God sees and God is wanting to use in their time and in their own way. You may be here feeling that you're not in a place where you can be most significantly used by God. Maybe if I was somewhere else, maybe if I was doing something else that, that God might find better use for me. Don't question your calling, all the opportunities that you are giving, uh, are given, but have faith in God. If you know your Old Testament well, you'll know that there was a time long before the days of Micah when another prophet of God by the name of Samuel, visited an insignificant, out-of-the-way town. It was actually the same insignificant, out-of-the-way town named Bethlehem. And he was looking for a king who would bring hope to Israel. For Israel had called for a king, and the king that they had chosen, who was head and shoulders above any other, uh, any other of his peers, was not strong in the Lord and was not a good leader. 
And so a new king needed to be found. That prophet was looking for a, for a king and found him eventually, not in the sons that were brought to him that were present at the feast, but in the son who had been forgotten. He was out in the back paddock taking care of sheep. That prophet, when he eventually found the one that God had chosen, learnt an important lesson. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He doesn't look at the stature of a man. God looks for the heart. He wants those ready to be used by him. He wants those ready to serve him. He wants those who have a love for him. You may only see what is insignificant or problematic in your life, but Jesus is here and he's examining hearts. His sole purpose is to bring the majesty and greatness of God to the ends of the earth. And he loves to use the small and insignificant ways and peoples to do it. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Because like Bethlehem that became significant when it became the birthplace of Jesus, and like the shepherds who are forever remembered because they were the first witnesses and the first to tell of the birth of Jesus, our significance doesn't lie in who we are, where we live or what we can do. Our significance comes from Jesus' life in us and the message that he's given us to give. Prajau Songrak Loga John Pratan Prabhut Ongdio Putuk Konti Wangjai Jai Mai Tong Pinad Dai Mi Chiwit Niuran Do I'm glad I got that out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God's looking for the small people in the small places to do big things through Christ who has been born our Saviour and Lord and lives eternally as our Shepherd, our King. This week I'd like for you to do these things. Answer the question, what is making you feel insignificant or feel that your ministry is not valuable? What have you learned about God that might encourage you? And how do you see Jesus leading, protecting and guiding you? Maybe you want to look up 1 Samuel 16, read verses 1 to 13 and memorize verse 7. God looks at the heart. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity that we have at this time to remember not just the glories of your miracles or the, the wonder of your promises, but the humility of your birth. Because in this we see a God who is humble of heart, who wants to bring his glories to the ends of the earth, but will do so in those that choose to see him and choose to be used by him. So, Lord, by your grace, make us such people who are willing to see you, are anxious to know you, 
and desiring to make you known. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his eternal glory. Amen. Let us